Well, good morning, everybody. I am so glad that you are with us today. I love being here with you. I love spending time in the Word together. That's what we're going to do. We're back in Thessalonians today. We'll finish up the book this morning. The major topic of both letters to the Thessalonians is the day of the Lord. That's the day that the Lord Jesus comes from heaven to gather us to himself, to save us from wrath, to resurrect our bodies, and to bring us to glory. Right now, we live between his first coming and second coming. This is a glorious time to be alive because Jesus has come. Uh, we live under grace and the new covenant of uh, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has been poured out upon us and into our hearts. And God has revealed an amazing amount of glory and truth to us. But this is also a hard time to live because Jesus hasn't come again yet to complete our salvation. And like the Thessalonians, we are still under pressure. We still experience trials and suffering, disappointment, and death. We still weep and we groan. So what is it that keeps us going? What moves us to endure, to bear our cross, to keep doing good? It's the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is set before us again and again throughout the scripture, to stir our hearts, to persevere through this life for the reward of that day. Jesus said, behold, I am coming and my reward is with me. Be faithful even unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Paul said, if we endure, we will reign with him. He also said, and the Lord will award the crown of righteousness to us on that day. Sometimes it is called the day of Christ, or the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, or that day, or simply the day. But it was clearly the focal point of the apostles in the New Testament church. It's the day we wait for and long for and live for. It's the day we want to be ready for and prepared for and lay up treasure for. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also all who have loved his appearing. That's 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. Here's what we need to see. That day is why it makes sense to fight the good fight right now. That day is why it makes sense to run the race all the way to the finish. To finish your course. As the old hymn said, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. This is everywhere throughout the New Testament. 2 Timothy 1.16, Paul asked the Lord 
to reward a friend of his named Onesiphorus with special mercy or special kindness on that day. He uses that phrase, on that day, for not being ashamed of his imprisonment and for searching diligently to find him. Philippians 1.9, Paul said, I pray that your love may abound so that you may approve the things that are excellent and to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. There, there is an ultimate sense that we'll, we will be blameless in that day because we are in Christ. But the scripture also teaches us to actually pursue love and purity and blamelessness now to prepare for that day. Paul exhorts us to build on the foundation of Christ with good works or good materials that will stand the test of that day. Paul said, he laid a foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Then he said, but each man must be careful how he builds on that foundation. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work or the quality of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives or remains, he will receive a reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved but only as if through the flames. But there's a lot that we could go into in that passage, but my point is everything is pointing toward that day. And the reason to persevere in doing good right now, the reason to keep doing the righteous thing, the hard thing, the reason to keep Laying down your life for other people in the name of Jesus is for the reward of that day. And there's other reasons that we do it for, for sure. But the ultimate reason that I see unfolded for us in the, news, in the New Testament is because of that day. And ultimately, these truths that I've just shared with you are behind Paul's command in verse 13. Brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Because of that day, do not get discouraged. Because of that day, do not give up. Now, Galatians 6.9 gives us this same command that Paul gives us here. But Paul expands a little bit further on the command there, and he, he, he verifies what I'm just telling you. He confirms that this is why we should not grow weary. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. All your love, all your work, all your self-denial, your sacrifices, all the good that you do, day after day, year after year, all that will receive a full reward from the Lord in due season. And the whole New Testament teaches that that season is when the Lord appears, when the Lord comes, the day of Christ, the day of the Lord. 
Jesus said, when you host a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. When will you be blessed? You will be repaid, Jesus said, at the resurrection of the righteous. We receive our rewards in the day that we are raised to life, which is the day of the Lord. And there's, there's, there's other ways that we are blessed absolutely for doing good. But the big one, the big reward, comes at the resurrection of the righteous, the day that Christ appeared. That's why, I mean, that's why uh, Peter exhorted the believers, you know, fix your hope completely. Fix your hope completely on the grace, the blessings, the rewards, the crown that is coming to you when Christ appears. That's what we're to, f to, to focus on. All right. Now let's work through verse 13. It's very short, but there's a lot here. As for you, brothers and sisters, of course, do not grow weary in doing good. Obviously, Paul knows there's a tendency for us to get discouraged, to get tired of doing good, to lose heart. There's a, temp there's a temptation for all of us to pull back, to let up, to coast, to stop doing good or stop doing as much good. That temptation is real, and it's powerful, and you see it all the time. You feel it. I'm sure you've felt it in your own life. You've probably been through seasons of that where you just wake up and realize, hey, you know, I've, I've, I've let up, and, and something needs to change. I need, need to get back in, on, on fire and get my passion back and, and, and stir up my heart to do uh, much for the Lord. And you see other people who at one time were engaged with other believers, doing much good, energized in their faith. And then something happens and they just kind of disappear. They, they got tired or they lost their zeal or they just kind of uh, dropped out of the race. So Paul warns us, don't let that happen. Do not do that. Do not get tired. Do not get discouraged. Do not quit. He warns us to keep on doing good. Now, doing good covers a lot. And probably everybody here understands to some degree what it means to do good, but I, I still want to explore that just a little bit. Doing good means uh, living your life for the benefit, the blessing, the good of others, primarily. And we are to be eager and passionate about that. Paul said in Titus 2.14, He, Jesus, gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, a people who are zealous, or some translations say passionate, for good works. So we are to, I mean, Jesus saved us. He redeemed us. He laid down his life for us. For this purpose, certainly for some other purposes, it's to purify us, to cleanse us, make us holy, but also that we would be zealous for doing good works. Doing good starts 
with doing good to the people right in front of you. I mean, there's something hypocritical, shallow, meaningless about uh, thinking about doing good to people out there, but being mean to our spouse or people that are close to us or people that we work with and, and so forth. I mean, it, obviously, it starts with doing good to the people right in front of you. And for moms and dads, that means doing all the good things daily you need to do to take care of your kids and family. Uh, Paul said, let us do good to everyone, and especially to the family of faith. So, I mean, that means do good to your next-door neighbor, to people that you run into every day at the grocery store or wherever, uh, to the people you work with, to the electrician or the plumber or painter who comes to your house, but especially do good to believers, to people in the church, to people in God's house, Paul said. Doing good is often small things that encourage and serve and bless others at just the right moment. Obviously, sometimes it is big things. Sometimes it's really big things. But so often, it's just having a mindset, uh, a heart that is open to the leading of the Holy Spirit to do good in those small things in just everyday life. It's writing that note or making that call or I guess people don't call each other now, sending that text or whatever. It's, it's bringing that food. It's doing whatever good thing the Holy Spirit prompts you to do as you have opportunities, Paul says. This last Wednesday in our life group, Julie, I think it was this last Wednesday, it might have been the week before, it doesn't matter. Julie, Julie Mazina shared in our life group how Olivia uh, had sent her a card and maybe the card said more than this, but all that she said, the card just said, you matter to me. And Julie shared how deeply that touched her and how it encouraged her and it, it brought her to tears. Just that card, just that note. And I've been brought to tears by some of the cards that, that you all have have sent me to uh, the night of Cindy's funeral we were all at Luke's home uh, for pizza and when we left uh, I didn't think anything about it we all left out walked out the front door I cut across Luke's uh, lawn I walked there I only live two and a half blocks away or so cut across Luke's lawn headed for the sidewalk and pretty soon I noticed my brother Paul uh, ran up to catch up with me and he walked those two blocks home with me so I wouldn't walk home alone. It was two blocks and only took two minutes, but I will never forget it. Doing good also includes doing the righteous thing. And I'm going to address this to young people. It applies to every single one of us. Young people. Do not grow weary in maintaining sexual purity in what you do, what you see, what you do for entertainment. Do not grow weary in maintaining sexual purity. Do not grow weary in guarding your language and your tongue. Uh, do not grow weary in standing up for God's truth in the midst of your peers and the midst of a culture that hates God's truth. Do not grow weary. 
of doing that. Th- those are good things. Don't get tired of that. Don't give in. Don't quit. I also think Paul had in mind here from the context, I think he had in mind doing good by working hard to meet your own needs. You'll notice that if, if you're a careful student of <laughs> Scripture and if you've been paying attention to the teaching throughout First uh, and Second Thessalonians, you notice that this morning I skipped a bunch of verses. And if you've been faithful here to the church, you'll also know that I taught on these verses a couple of months ago. I tied them in with a very similar passage in First Thessalonians. But I want to set the context for us here for, for when Paul says, brothers, let us not grow weary in doing good. I want to give you the context. Here it is. Paul said, we did not eat anyone's food without paying for it. Instead, in labor and in toil, we worked day and night so that we would not be a burden to any of you. And some of the believers at Thessalonica misunderstood or maybe misapplied the day of the Lord to mean that they, that they could slack off on doing their daily work. And some of them, Paul said, started living undisciplined lives, meddling in other people's business instead of taking care of their own. So Paul told them, quote, We command such people and urge them in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and to work to earn their own living. But as for you, brothers, do not grow weary of doing good. Do you you see the logic? Do you see the, the flow of thought? And that's why I say that at least... Part of what Paul meant by doing good was just keep on doing your job. Go to work, uh, work hard, meet your own needs, pay your own bills, take care of your own business, and that's doing good. And it might sound pretty mundane, not, not grandi- nothing grandiose, nothing maybe super spiritual about it, but that is part of doing good, and just don't grow, don't grow weary in doing that. And it does take a perseverance to just keep doing your job and getting up and going to work, providing for your needs, all that just day after day after day, doesn't it? And so Paul says, don't, don't lose heart in doing that. All right, all of that and probably some more is what doing good means. But Paul obviously felt a need to, he doesn't really define what doing good means. I, I took the initiative to do that for us, but Paul obviously felt a need to exhort us to not grow weary or get discouraged in doing that good. And I think there's several reasons why we need that exhortation. First, doing good can be exhausting. It takes effort to keep doing good. It's always easier to do less. It's always easier to quit. It's always easier to give up than to keep pressing on. I remember the first day that we had hospice nurses in our home just a couple of weeks before Cindy died. And the hospice nurse, one of the first questions they asked me that first day was, how are you doing as a caregiver? And I, I really didn't know how to answer that question. I thought for a moment, and then I, a w- certain word came to my mind, and I just said, it's taxing. I love getting to be the one to take care of Cindy, but 
but it is, it's very taxing. And doing good is taxing. At times it's very taxing. And we often need the encouragement to just keep going. Earlier in the message, I referred to Paul's friend Onesiphorus. And in that passage, Paul said that Onesiphorus diligently searched for him. I mean, this guy probably went all over Rome, looking through all the different prison systems in Rome, trying to find Paul. In other words, he put forth a, a lot of effort, a lot of time and a lot of effort to do that, to find Paul and to be able to refresh and encourage Paul. And if you are doing good, if you are practicing this command, if you're doing good to others, it will require effort. It will require sweat and tears at times. God knows that. And he wants to encourage you to not grow weary simply because God knows that you doing good in your circumstances, in your situation, whatever that, that may be, can be tiring and exhausting. And he doesn't want you to quit or give up. Secondly, the spiritual battle that we are all in can wear us down or wear us out. Uh, Paul said that we do not wrestle ultimately with people, with flesh and blood, but we wrestle against powers of evil, forces of darkness. And we feel that. This, this is not just a, like a theological concept that, oh yeah, there's, there's spiritual warfare going on somewhere out there. No, it it, it affects us. We, we, we feel it in our emotions, in our thoughts. We, we, we actually do wrestle. There's, a, there's, there's a, a real toll that it takes on us for wrestling against powers of darkness. So, of course, in that passage, Paul says, you know, put, put your armor on and so that you may stand firm in the day of evil. Pray at all times in the Spirit and do not give up. So we're all in a spiritual battle, and even if there's not specifically a, an outward trouble or trial, uh, a lot of times we, we're going through stuff inside us that nobody else sees or nobody else is aware of that oppresses or that we're dealing with. And so we're not to give up. But spiritual warfare is another reason that uh, we need to hear this command to not grow weary. Third, uh, we can grow, grow weary because of discouragement with results. Wow, this is a big one, I think. And I've, I've felt it deeply. Um, so, you know, if, if you're getting showered with praise and just seeing all kinds of fruit from your effort, Praise God. That's, I mean, that's wonderful. We're, we're all going to sing uh, or say hallelujah and rejoice with you. Uh, but often we are in situations where we do good. We actually do do good. And we do our best to do good. And we stay at it. And we do it week after week, year after year. We work, we give, 
and the things that we want to happen or expect to happen don't. Or at least don't happen in any, to the degree or in the measure we don't, don't see the, the fruit of those things that we want. And that can make us uh, grow weary. That can make us want to quit or get discouraged. And so to those kind of people, <laughs> uh, Paul is saying, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing good. I read a little article, I wish I could share the whole thing, is in the Voice of the Martyrs magazine, but uh, the president of Voice of the Martyrs said this, that, you know, we, we, do, we do little things, we do the things that God chose us to do, and we, we have to leave the results with God. He said, because God is the one who takes our obedience and he creates the eternal fruit. Okay. We do the obedience or we do the good thing. God produces the eternal fruit. Not us, not you, not me. So we just keep on doing good. Don't worry about the fruit. God's the one who produces the eternal fruit. And remember Jesus said, it's when the Son of Man comes in glory that we'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, and maybe not before that. He didn't say you're going to hear that today. It's, it's when the Son of Man comes with his angels in glory. That's when you're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's, that's why we um, do good. It's for that day. It's in order to hear that in that day. And so that, that requires that we uh, keep doing good uh, and not get our eyes so focused on the results. Fourth, those who do a lot of good can get weary, weary because of comparison with others. Uh, there's a couple of ways that, compar that comparison Comparing yourself with others can um, tempt you to pull back from doing good. First, those who, I'm, typically I'm going to say this, this is for those who are maybe doing a lot. Those who do a lot of good can get weary because of comparing themselves or comparing the amount of work that they are doing with others who are doing less. And so they feel like, hey, I'm doing a lot of good. I'm really pouring, I'm pouring it out my life. I'm laying down my life. But, you know, it just seems like so-and-so or maybe a whole bunch of so-and-sos aren't really doing that. And so can kind of create uh, a sour feeling or maybe a, a, a tendency to give up or quit. I met uh, someone with someone not that long ago who was really angry that other people weren't doing as much as this person thought they should be doing. That's a problem. Um, comparison is a dangerous game. Um, and we can give up because our eyes are on other people, not on the prize that comes from Jesus on that day. So we're not, we're not supposed to keep doing good and look at other people and use that as our motive. <laughs> Uh, we're supposed to keep doing good because our eyes are on the prize 
of that day when Jesus comes for us. Now, there's another way I think that comparison uh, can discourage or dishearten people in doing good, and, and that is, I think, maybe people that are maybe newer to the faith or just haven't jumped in with both feet, and they see somebody doing a whole lot of good, and they say, well, I could never do that. And so instead of doing what they can, they say, I'm going to do nothing. And so that, that can be a problem, too. So all of us, whether we're doing a lot, whether we're just kind of learning to get our feet in the game, uh, we should heed Paul's advice here. Brothers and sisters, let us not lose heart in doing good. So for all these reasons, and probably some more that I didn't think of, we need to be warned, do not grow weary. And so God, I mean, God's word to us this morning from this passage basically is very simple. It's... Stay at it. It's finish your race. It's fight the good fight. It's press on. It's endure. Bear your cross. Finish. Keep doing good. Or as Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 15, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You know, and here's the thing. It's all throughout Scripture. It's in Hebrews. It's in the passage from Galatians. Jesus taught this. God will not forget the things that you do in his name. God will not forget. Hebrews says God is not so unjust as to forget your love and your good works. Jesus said, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones of mine because he is my disciple, truly, I tell you, he will never lose his reward. God sees. God remembers. God rewards. Remember those three things. God sees, he remembers, he rewards. Hebrews 11, or Hebrews, yeah, 11, verse 6, I think it is, we've been studying in our men's group. He who comes to God must believe that God is, or that, he, that God exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. You've got to know and remember that God is a rewarder. He sees, he remembers, he rewards. And that day will be here before you know it. That day is coming. All right, verse 14. Uh, if anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. All right, we're switching topics, I know. But it's here in the passage, so we're going to teach it. All right? Paul was deadly serious about Christians obeying the apostolic teaching and instructions. We dare not trifle with the things in these letters to the churches. Well, all of Scripture, of course. But Paul was saying, it's a big deal if somebody doesn't listen to what I've written. Paul said when someone uh, flagrantly disobeys what is written, we have to deal with that. No, we are not breathing down each other's neck, looking for flaws 
We're not suspicious and hypercritical of each other. We believe the best. We hope for the best. But when a fellow believer obviously is disobeying what is written, you cannot continue to just act like everything is okay. You, you should not just fellowship with them. Uh, you should not just hang out with them or go shopping with them or go get coffee with them just like nothing was wrong. You have to stop pretending so they will stop pretending. The reality is that they are not obeying God. And they need to be shown that. It's a mistaken idea that grace means we let people live any way they want and we are all just okay with that. And we're all silent about that. I got together with a man who deserted his wife not that long ago. I confronted him about his God-given responsibility to remain true to his wife. His immediate response was, hey, listen, I didn't come here to have you put a guilt trip on me. Where's the grace? You know, and that's how, unfortunately, that's how many Christians think today. Well, I think Paul, the Apostle Paul would say, warning someone is grace and love. It's truly caring about them in the future. And yet, verse 15 says, yet do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. So Paul was saying, don't carry this too far. Don't despise this person. Uh, don't, uh, don't destroy this person. We don't want that. We're, we're trying to help this brother. This is a brother. We want to help along. We want to uh, pull him up out of this pattern of disobedience and so we always need to approach people even when there's uh, even when there's warning that need that is required like this we all always want to to give people hope and let them know hey you're my brother I care about you I'm 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 dealing with you in this way because I want better things for you and you're my brother so that's why I'm that's why I'm here that's why I'm talking to you they might not receive it that way but that still has to be our heart for people. Verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. We're getting here, obviously, to the closing of the book. And Paul is just kind of leaving this final blessing uh, with these believers. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. There aren't too many more beautiful verses in Scripture than that. Life can produce so much inner turmoil. Life can produce so much stress and conflict and frustration and anxiety. And that's a terrible way to live. And yet many of us do more than, more than we should. But the Lord himself has something else to give you. He said, my peace I give to you. He is the Lord of peace. His peace is a, it's a real thing. It's a real presence from him that he puts into your heart and puts your heart at rest. I think we have to be really careful where we go to try to fix or heal um, our anxieties, our turmoil, our anger and frustration. Paul says, I think Paul would say, Go to the Lord of peace. 
May he give you peace at all times in every way. It's an all-inclusive peace. It's peace when things around you are not at peace. You know, Jesus, Jesus said, you're going to have tribulation in the world, um, but do not let your heart be troubled. So, he has the, the supernatural ability to give us a peace that goes beyond our understanding. It's a peace in trouble, a peace in suffering, a peace when you're misunderstood or criticized, peace in the morning when you wake up, and peace at night when you go to bed. It's peace for your heart, for your mind. And this is a, a tremendous blessing to, to give to one another. You know, if you want to bless people, bless them with peace. And I, th I think we should all learn this blessing. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Uh, that'd be a great thing for us to start telling each other. Verse 17, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is a sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. Forgeries were very common in that day, and that's why you, you see all the, 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 the false uh, books, the Gospel of Thomas and all that kind of stuff. Well, Paul assures them that this is really from him. He came with apostolic authority. Verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. May you be aware, may your heart be full of an awareness of the grace of the Lord. May you experience his kindness, love, and mercy in your heart. There's four other times in the New Testament that Paul says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Right here it just says the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. And that's, that's really good too. But I love that statement, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with your spirit. That Philippians 4.23 is one of those. Um, the grace of Christ is to be with you. With you. With you. It's not, a con it's not just a concept. It's not just an idea. It's something that's supposed to be with you. It's supposed to be there at the very core of your being, in your spirit. The Lord, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The pulpit commentary said, may the grace of Jesus be near to the most intimate, most controlling part of your nature. Grace and peace are to be with you. It's something that you have and experience, and that is what I want uh, for all of you, and for myself, too. But I want it for all of you. We've covered a lot today, but the message is, is simple, so don't get mixed up. The message is simple. Do good. Don't give up. The day of reward is coming soon. And the peace and grace of our Lord Jesus be with you at all times and in every way as you wait for that day that he comes for us. Amen? All right, let's stand and pray.